You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins, and with me is Mike Chappell. And we are celebrating today because it is the first victory Monday for Indianapolis of the 2021 20, of the 2021 season. I'm so excited I can barely speak. Uh, it only took a month, but Mike, how you feeling? Pretty good. It's it's overcast outside, but I don't care. So uh, no, it, it, it's amazing. We've talked. It's it's amazing how everyone's week starts and is shaped by how the local football team does. And, and it's just not here, it's everywhere. So uh, good for these guys getting that, as Carson Wynn said, the monkey off their back, and hopefully they can build on this. Hopefully they can build on it next week going into Baltimore. But that's a conversation for Thursday. Today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to recap the Colts' win over Miami. We'll discuss takeaways from that game. We'll also take a look around the rest of the AFC South. But let's jump right into it. Colts down in Miami to take on former Colts quarterback Jacoby Brissett in the 1-2 and two Dolphins. And they would have to do it without Quentin Nelson, without Braden Smith, T.Y. Hilton, Quiddy Pay, Kari Willis, Rocky Sin. Uh, I'm probably forgetting to mention somebody else. This team is so banged up. Um, the Colts defense would force a punt on the first possession of the game. But Naheem Hines would muff that punt setting Miami up at Indy's 27. Thankfully, the defense would hold the Dolphins to a field goal and just face a 3 to nothing hole instead of a 7 to nothing hole. The rest of the first half was really a punt fest, except for midway through the second quarter when an offsides penalty on 4th and 3 gave the Colts new life. Indy would take advantage with a 28-yard pass to Big Mo Alley-Cox, and then Jonathan Taylor would do the rest on a 23-yard touchdown run. 7-3, to three, Colts take the lead, which had really been a rarity so far this year. So rare, in fact, that after the Colts' defense forces a 3-and-out, Indianapolis gets the ball back for their first possession with the lead of the 2021 season. Uh, almost hard to believe. Uh, what would they do with that possession? Well, it wasn't all that notable except a very head-scratching fourth down call on fourth and one from their own 27 with about a minute and a half left. The Colts line up as if they're going to go for it. They're not actually going to snap this ball, right? After trying to draw Miami offsides, the Colts call a timeout. But then the offense trots back onto the field. They snap the ball. Thankfully, Carson Wentz converts the fourth down on a quarterback sneak. Uh, Mike, it would all be for nothing because the because the Colts would gain just two more yards on the rest of the drive. But what in the world was Frank Wright thinking going for it? Backed up so far on your own side of the field. The defense had played well to this point in the game. And, you know, at that field position, even if you make it, just like what happened, it's not like you're in scoring position anyway. Did, did you talk to Frank after the game about this call? What happened here? No, there were, there were other things to talk about. This did not come up. This is one of those things that, when you win, there's other things that take precedent. Maybe we'll, we'll ask him about that today and when we talk to him. But I guess the problem I had with it is if you're going to go for it as they did and pick up the first down, that tells me you're going to be aggressive trying to get points at the end of the half. And that really wasn't the case. I mean, they, on, on a second down play to Campbell, there he dropped the ball. I mean, it, it was a tough catch. So they were aggressive there. And, and, and then they just sort of – 
didn't push it. I, maybe that was taking the pulse of the game and knowing that you're going to get the ball to start the, the, the third quarter. But, yeah, I think if you're going to go for it fourth and one that deep in your territory, it's because you're really trying to do something. And it just didn't seem like, with the exception of the uh, the, the pass to Paris Campbell, that, that's what they were doing. So that's one that if they lose and or, or, or if it comes back and bites them because, you know, the, the Dolphins score at the end of the half or whatever. I don't know, but that's one that you, you – I think we'll ask Frank about the day say, you know, what the heck, Frank? Yeah, that was that was odd. And I also didn't like, okay, if you're going to be aggressive, be aggressive, but why waste the timeout before you're aggressive? Try and draw them off sides and then snap the ball so you could keep that timeout to use it to go and score. It was just all kinds of weird. Thankfully, it didn't have an impact on the game. We'll move on to the second half where the Colts start the third quarter with an 11-play drive. Colts have third and goal from the three, and you're thinking, oh boy, here comes those goal line issues. The Colts have struggled here all year long, but they actually find the end zone with a Mo Alley-Cox touchdown. Big Mo had a big game in this one, and this would give Indianapolis a 14-3 lead. The Colts' D forces another three and out after Tyquan Lewis just threw Miami's Jakeem Grant to the ground for a seven-yard loss. Indy's offense can't do much with it, but then Grant muffs a putt. It goes right into the hands of Ashton Doolin. A tough few minutes there for Jakeem Grant, and the Colts are set up with the ball at Miami's 18. But then Indianapolis has to settle for a field goal after being backed up by a few penalties on the offensive line. 17-3, Colts have a two-touchdown lead. Brissett now trying to lead the Dolphins back, but big Rover Stewart gets to him for the sack, knocks the ball loose, picked up by Darius Leonard, and this puts the Colts in scoring position again at Miami's 30. But again, the Colts would fail to score a touchdown and have to settle for another blankenship field goal. Now it's 20-3 to early in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, Miami's offense comes to life and marches right down the field. The Dolphins picked on Xavier Rhodes, who was guilty of a pass interference call and gave up a 25-yarder to Devontae Parker. First and goal at the three-yard line, the Colts stuffed the Dolphins three straight times on three straight runs. But on fourth down, Brissett finds Mike Gusecki, for the touchdown, it's a 20-10 ball game. The Colts need an answer, and they would have an answer. A 41-yard pass to Zach Pascal is how the drive starts. An 11-yard touchdown pass to Mo Alley-Cox is how the drive ends. Colts go up 27-10 on Alley-Cox's second touchdown of the day. He played a much larger role in this one, Mike, with Jack Doyle banged up. Yeah, I think he only had was wasn't it three catches. Uh, but two of them were the touchdowns, and, and there was another big play. So, this is what they what they've they've got to find a way to, to to spread it out more. Right now, it's sort of been Michael Pittman and the running backs, and, and no one else has really stepped up. And again, Jack was uh, banged up, and I think I think he had a back issue during the week of practice. Yeah. So they, they've got, and, and again, it's it's you know people are writing about it and saying, well, this was Mo's breakout game. You know, we've seen these before. He had a big game last year. Was it uh, Minnesota? Some game he had, he had the hundred yard game. It was, yeah, week two. And, and it just comes and goes. It, it's it is week to week on these guys, and I, you know, hopefully they get even more involved because this th- th- this offense needs tight end input, and it's really been kind of few and far between so far. What well, looking at it right now, uh, 
Doyle's got nine catches. Uh, even with the big, you know, th- th- this was prior to that game. But going into that game, Mo-, Mo had three catches for 32 yards. You've just got to get more out of your tight ends than that, and hopefully they will. It's early. We're, we're always into the, we try to look into the broad things on at a game-by-game basis, but it's just obvious when you can get Mo down the field. He, he's He's such a strong blocker, but when he can do what he does down the field or in the red zone, primarily in the red zone, he can be such a force for defenses to deal with. Yeah, and, you know, I love Jack Doyle as much as anybody, but it seems like every time Mo Alley-Cox gets an opportunity, he delivers. Um, Hopefully somebody they'll continue to keep involved going forward. So Colts now up 27-10, to but Devontae Parker and the Dolphins would again find the end zone in a drive that took less than two minutes off the clock. It's 27-17 to now with four and a half minutes to go. And you're saying, uh-oh, the Dolphins are not, they won't quit in this one. They're hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. The Colts need their offense to close this one out after the defense just gave up back-to-back quick touchdowns to the opposing offense. And they would do just that. Huge third-down conversions on third and four. And third and 14 put this one away. The Colts run out the clock. Final score, 27 to 17, and the Indianapolis avoids opening the season 0-4 for the first time in a decade in just a sixth time since 1986. Let's move on to takeaways for this game here. Mike, obviously, to me, the big takeaway is Carson Wentz looks much healthier. Uh, He was much more mobile than against Tennessee. He picked up multiple first downs with his legs, avoided the rush, found receivers down the field, specifically the one to Michael Pittman on one of those third downs to you know kind of run out the clock and in the game there he finished 24 of 32 for 228 yards two touchdown passes no turnovers and snapped his personal seven game losing streak dating back to last year with Philadelphia Mike talk about how how Carson Wentz looked in your eyes yeah we talked before we went on the air then if, if, if Carson Wentz had played that like that or been that mobile in Tennessee, the Colts win that game. Yeah. Uh, this this was and again it, this is just a snapshot, and it, it's funny we talked on the on the Blue Zone podcast last week, you and me and Dave Griffiths about how people are there. There's this faction of you like Wentz or you hate Wentz, and if you hate Wentz, you want to run him out of town after three games. Never mind that the offensive line is a complete mess, which means you can't run the ball. We saw glimpses yesterday of what he can be and what they need him to be. Not the savior, not the guy throwing 400 yards a game or whatever, but it's a guy, and again, a notch above game manager. Make plays with your feet. I I tell you, anyone who wondered about his mobility, second and eight was in the second quarter, second and eight from your own three-yard line, and he runs that RPO and gets 10 yards. That he couldn't have even moved for that against the Titans, and there were two or three plays where he did adjust. He he eluded pressure, got out of the pocket, and, and made big plays. I think the one to Pascal, he he showed some mobility. So that's what you want. It it still bothers me. Bothered me that they got like was it two or three sacks? Two sacks. One sack was another sack was negated by a face mask. They're still getting him him hit too much. A couple of times he held the ball. He did. That's that's. But that's him. We, we bitched and moan about Andrew Luck every other week about doing something. 
that it's just it's just intrinsic to him. He can't stop it. And we're going to be doing this with Wentz if he's here for a long time. But we saw what he can be. He's got, what, one interception, which was fluky. It just was in four games. So he's doing his part. If they can just get this defense together, that's we can talk about it at another time. But this defense had a chance to really put out a statement game. I mean, start to finish. You know, keep him to 150 yards, whatever, and then they give up these two touchdowns that were more they were so easy for for the Dolphins with Brissett and Xavier Rhodes you mentioned he had the gave up the the DPI and then the completion he, he interfered on the completion yeah so it it wasn't a good it game declined, for Rhodes, yeah. but correct so so but but again we we did see if we can just take the the Dolphins out of out of the equation which it's hard to do but this is what this is how they want to play. They want to control games with the defense. The defense kept kept them in the game when the offense, the first half, couldn't get going. And then the offense got going. It was complimentary. So it was encouraging, uh, although we keep having to remind ourselves it was, it was Miami and Jacoby Brissett. It was. But uh, hopefully this was the right kind of get-right spot for the Colts where they can build some momentum going forward. Uh, speaking of a good right spot, the offensive line actually opened some holes in the run game yesterday. T- Jonathan Taylor had a season-high 103 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries. He joins Edron James, Marshall Falk, and Dominic Rhodes as the Colts running backs with four 100-yard performances in their first 19 career games. Uh, 139 team rushing yards is most for Indianapolis this season. And even Marlon Mack got involved with 11 touches on the day, which was a bit surprising to see. I remember we were talking about Mack on Thursday in his trade request, and we didn't think he'd get much run anymore as the Colts try and keep him healthy. Maybe they're trying to showcase him a little bit and show that he could still do some things out there. Um, You know, he didn't have a great statistical evening, but he did have the nice, I think, 10 to 12-yard run on a little jump cut where he takes off to the right, uh, shows he could still move a little bit. Uh, what do you think of them playing Mac? Are they going to continue to showcase him moving forward to try and up his trade value? I, I, I maybe I, I, but for him getting ten touches, that's ten touches that Naheem Hines doesn't get. So I, I when you've got three running backs, it is so hard to to get all of them enough work, especially when you know I don't think sixteen carries was enough for Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, when they gave, when they gave in the third quarter, I think they gave Mac a, a series and people were wondering, what are you doing? Well, I'm fine giving Taylor a series off, but to me, this was a game that if he gets 25 carries, he's 150 yards at least. Uh, so so th- that, that's the only concern. And here we are nitpicking, I suppose. Naheem Hines gets two carries for six yards and two catches on two targets for five yards. That's, I mean, he he's one of your top two or three offensive options. So I I I don't know if they're trying to showcase back. Maybe they are. I was watching the game last night, the New England game, and I'm thinking, boy, he could be a pretty good running back for the Patriots. Uh, he could be a pretty good running back for a lot of teams right now. But they've made a deal so with I, New England before. I somebody said, well, you can't do that after Josh McDaniels. Well, yeah, they have. <laughs> so they have. <laughs> So yeah, I it, good good for Marlon. Anything that happens positive for Marlon, I, I'm all in favor of. But for, for the betterment of the team, Naheem Hines has to be more involved. When he's more involved, 
he's like Taylor. The more touches he's get, he gets, he's going to make something happen on one of his touches. So uh, good for Marlon, but you know, I, I don't think it's positive for for Naheem Hines to be so uh, not involved with the offense. And maybe the early fumble had something to do with that. Maybe he was in the doghouse to some extent. I'm not sure. Um, better days are definitely ahead for Naheem Hines. Uh, looking at the defense now, you, they had their second-half struggles uh, with the passing game where all of a sudden it just felt like the Dolphins figured something out that they couldn't all game long. But their run defense got its act together. And I know Miami is not a great rushing team. Uh, uh, if you have a Miami Dolphin running back on your fantasy team, I feel bad for you. But still, the Colts did what they were supposed to do and allowed just 35 yards on 16 rush attempts. That's 2.2 yards per carry. The Colts hit Miami running backs, on average, 0.2 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And that's according to Pro Football Focus. So they were not even letting the running backs get going. They were hitting them at the line, controlling the line of scrimmage against that Miami Dolphins offensive line. And speaking of the defense, hello, Kamoko Ture. Two sacks coming off the edge on the day. They're not going to need that from him going forward if this defense is going to do what they hope to do this season. Yeah, and we've said that since training camp. As we said, it's really hard to believe this guy's in a contract here. I mean, that's four years. And and it's been injury, one injury after another, significant injuries. But if this, if this front four front seven is going to create the pressure it, it it needs to it's got to include Ture especially when you know you go into Miami and you don't have Quiddy Pay with the hamstring injury so it was very encouraging uh and, and keep in mind Jacoby Brissett for for all the, the, the his deficiencies he's tough to bring down he's very uh for a guy with not much speed he's really got some elusiveness in, in the pocket He's like a young and, Big Ben in the pocket. Yeah, well, take, take the take Grover Stewart's sack that led to the fumble. That that was the third shot on him because I I think Muhammad had a shot shot at him and then Le, uh, Leonard sort of fell off of him and, and then Grover wrapped him up. So uh, very encouraging. The only the, the here I'll be the uh, the glass half empty guy. They get three sacks, but only one other uh, quarterback hit according to the stat sheet. So, so it still comes and goes, but uh, very encouraged, especially since you didn't have your primary pass rusher. And and, and this is what it's got to be. We, we haven't talked anything about it yet, but a lot of the players mentioned that the, the players only meeting they had early last week. And, and it was sort of at the impetus of, of, of Kamoko Ture where he, he knew he wasn't doing enough. And we talked on the podcast last week that he and Ben Banigou, who had played in the first three games, did not appear on the team's defensive stat sheet for three games. No tackles, no sacks, no pressures, nothing. You've got at least got to do something to show up. And so finally they did that. But he, he was frustrated. He, he, he went to DeForest Buckner. They called a team meeting. And, you know, it, 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 had, its, it had its purpose or it, it, it achieved it, its what you were looking for. Now, it helped that you play in Miami. Yeah, you know you, you don't have a team meeting before going into Baltimore or whatever. So, but again, it just showed that the players knew that while while maybe they thought they were playing hard, they could do more, they could be better. And th- this is one of those cases where the where the team players only meeting it, it achieved its results. So so hopefully they again hopefully they can build on this, and and this will be the game we look back on and say yeah this is where they got going. 
They're, they're, whenever you have a good season, uh, there's always a flashpoint, and maybe this is it for the Colts, but we'll know that in two or three weeks. Last takeaway I have here is Michael Pittman Jr. continues to be consistent for the Colts. He led Indianapolis with six catches, 59 yards. His 279 yards are the most by a Colts wide receiver in the first four games since T.Y. Hilton back in 2018. Uh, Pittman has had at least six catches in three straight games. Uh, The last time a Colts wide receiver accomplished that was also T.Y. Hilton in 2018. And I'll also add that Pittman should probably have two touchdowns on the season if Carson Wentz doesn't miss him in the end zone in back-to-back games now. Um, So hopefully their connection can grow, especially in the red zone. It almost feels like Wentz is trying to rocket it in there, and it's just a little bit off target for the big Michael Pittman Jr. But uh, it's good to see the second-year receiver developing some consistency where last year it seemed like he was up and down and up and down and up and down. Uh, Mike, do you have any other takeaways from this game? No, again, I, I think they finally got back to what they what they want to do. Uh, looking at this, 33 rush attempts. Uh, Wentz throws the ball 32 times uh, with the two sacks. That's 34, 35 or so uh, pass plays called, which is that's that's probably closer to a 50-50 balance than what Frank wants. I don't think they want to run the ball quite that much in the run-pass balance, but that's what they want to do. And in the last two games, Jonathan Taylor's averaging – about six yards of carry, isn't it? It was, wasn't he, 10 for 64 last week and uh, 16 for 103, which is 6.4. So that just shows you, again, that if you give quality backs enough carries, they're going to break. He's had like a 23, a 23, and now a, what was it, a 38 yesterday. So you give them enough carries, and they're, gonna, they're, they're good enough to break that three or four plays to where that's how you get 120, 150 yards with – yeah, you get the four, four, seven, but then you get the big plays. Uh, I, I, I like the way he's running the ball, and he's, I don't think he's 100%. He, was, he missed practice or, or portions of practice with the knee issue. But running backs get de- banged up. That's They, they just do. So uh, seldom are running backs 100%. But, again, very encouraged. Uh, Blankenship's kicking well. Special teams, for the most part, if you forget, you know, t- take away the muff by Hines, which – Against a quality opponent, you cannot do that. You simply cannot give them. He almost looked the like he makes. slipped or something trying to catch it. Yeah. It, it, well, it was a late, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, it was a late fair, fair catch signal. Yeah. So so he was unsure what he was doing. But they got away with some things that that against better teams you can't get away with. You know, and, you know that's why they were 0-3. They were just making the right plays. But very encouraged. And, and anyone who – and there were a lot of people still say, well, it was Miami, and they didn't do this, you didn't do this, and, and Wynn still missed this, which he did. Uh, we're still seeing him not where he needs to be, throwing the ball. I, I think the ankle still bothers him, some of his mechanics. Uh, but that's what you're going to deal with until he gets back. And one thing we didn't talk about injury-wise, they came out virtually unscathed. There was that brief scare at the end of the game where, where uh, Ryan Kelly – he, he, he starts, he limped off, and then he's looking at his foot. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, are we going to have a 4 o'clock, you know, appointment with Dr. You know, with Dr. Porter? But as it turns out, he, he, a cult blew his shoe. So uh, that, that was a strange one at the end of the game. But maybe this team is going to start getting healthy. We'll see about T.Y.'s status and, and how these other guys who missed the game will be. But 
all in all, a very encouraging trip to uh, South Florida. Yeah, encouraging is the right word. No new injuries for the Colts. I think since we last uh, spoke here on the podcast, Quentin Nelson has been placed on IR, so he will miss at least two more games for Indianapolis. Um, I remember on Thursday we said we thought he'd miss this game, but maybe he'd be back the following week. That's not going to be the case. Chris Reed is going to have to man that left guard spot for at least two more games. And he seemed to hold up okay out there against Miami. His name wasn't really called, which is a good sign for a guard. Uh, Moving on, let's take a look at the rest of the AFC South. Yes, the Colts, you know, it was just the Dolphins, but at least they didn't lose to the Jets like the Tennessee Titans did in overtime, 27-24. to The Titans, granted, they were without A.J. Brown in this one. They were without Julio Jones. But the Colts were pretty banged up, too. Uh, I think they gave up, if I remember correctly, seven sacks on Ryan Tannehill. Um, the Titans now fall to two and two, and the Colts are just a game out of first place. Yes, the Titans currently have the tiebreaker after beating Indianapolis, but the Colts have the chance to even that up later in the season. The Houston Texans got stomped by the Buffalo Bills, forty to nothing, and Houston now falls to one and three. And the Jaguars remain winless after a second-half collapse in Cincinnati on Thursday night. They lost 24-21. to That'll do it for the Colts Blue Zone podcast today. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow Mike on Twitter at MChapel51. Follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. Please make sure you're subscribing to the podcast and downloading. We appreciate that very much. And we will be back on Thursday to preview, hopefully, what will be the Colts' second win in a row against the Baltimore Ravens.